podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hardy's two for five dollar breakfast bake goodness into your morning. Choose a biscuit with sausage and egg, biscuit and gravy, or French toast dips. Any two, just five dollars. Hardy's goodness in the making. These items only. Price and participation may vary. Tax not included. Hello there guys, welcome back to Let's Talk Chelsea. We're going to be going through the big news of the day at Stamford Bridge, which obviously revolves around Graham Potter, the end of the Potter era, the short-lived one, the end of an era, I think you could call it, regarding his appointment back in September. Why did it break down some of the background pieces we've seen and information come out since that sacking last night? And then also, we look forward. Who is going to replace Graham Potter, who is the new ownership going to appoint ahead of next season? That is obviously such a big decision. If you are new around here, turn on those notifications on the YouTube channel so you don't miss any of the Chelsea content as we are going to be covering the new manager search, which appears to be going on for a while. Of course, it's easy to forget Chelsea are playing Liverpool tomorrow night at Stamford Bridge, so there will be my reaction on the channel as well. If you are listening on the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. Son of Chelsea is a part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I think the first place to start, we will start with who is going to replace Graham Potter because I think that is the most interesting part to speak about. If you do want to listen to my reaction, my sort of initial instant reaction to the sacking last night, it's on the channel now. It's the previous video, also the previous podcast. So go and do that if you want to hear sort of extensive feelings around Graham Potter, where I think it went wrong, why I think it's the right decision and where do Chelsea go from here and why the next decision to appoint uh, his replacement is so crucial for the future of Chelsea. But let's look at some of these stories. Uh, so Matt Law reporting that Chelsea aimed to interview at least five candidates to replace Graham Potter as Chelsea head coach. Apparently, Julian Nagelsmann has been made the early favourite for the full-time post and has worked in the past with Stewart and Chelsea's technical director, Christopher Weivel at RB Leipzig. But sources are adamant that the Chelsea job is not Nagelsmann's to turn down at this stage, with the club determined to go through what they see as an exhaustive process to find the right man. That is likely to see Chelsea also interview Mauricio Pochettino and Luis Enrique, both of whom are out of work, while talks are likely to also be sought with representatives of Napoli's Luciano Spalletti and at least one more candidate. Uh, Nazar Kinsella here for uh, the Evening Standard. Chelsea hope Graham Potter sacking offers key advantage over Real Madrid and PSG in looming boss battle. Nagelsmann and Pochettino are leading contenders. He also goes on to say that Madrid and PSG could also be looking for a new head coach this summer, but Chelsea hope they can steal the march on their rivals by starting their search now. The Blues do not have a permanent successor lined up to take over immediately, and senior sources insist they will take their time, like Matt Law said, some other names uh, mentioned uh, by Jacob Steinberg uh, from The Guardian that the shortlist obviously includes those already mentioned, Pochettino, Lewis, Enrique, Nagelsmann, but also linked to Weintracht Frankfurt manager Oliver Glazner, while Ruben Amarin is building a strong reputation at Sporting Lisbon. So you go back to September when Thomas Tuchel was sacked. Pochettino was one of the names linked. Ruben Aberin was on a, one of the names linked. But pretty much by a few hours after Tuchel's sacking being announced, it was pretty apparent that Graham Potter was going to be the new Chelsea head coach. They had kind of made a very swift decision. Even though it was reported at the time that the one other coach apparently spoken to, maybe not formally interviewed, but Pochettino was the other one at the time. We have a more extensive list right now. We will see how that develops, whether that is just talk at this stage. And there is a theory going around and based on some of the early noise that Nagelsmann is kind of the first choice at the moment. 
So that's going to be an interesting kind of process. And I do hope there is a process and it isn't just... I mean, there is something to be said that, listen, do you want to interview five, six really different head coaches? And does that show you don't really have a, a clear vision? Have they already internally decided Nagelsmann is our guy? He's available. Let's go and get him before someone else does. So you'd like to think, you know, I don't think it's bad to have that clarity of thinking. But as well with some of the other names on the market, I would like to think they, there also is a balance to look at some of those. My preference, I said this on a channel and a podcast a few months ago now, um, I think it was during that period when it looked like Potter could have been sacked before. My first choice is Mauricio Pochettino. I think Pochettino is just the, the obvious candidate. I think he makes a lot of sense. I think he ticks the most boxes. And I just feel he's a very, very good coach. You know, when Tuchel got sacked, my kind of feeling and some of the people I was speaking to at the time I, I felt that Pochettino would have been my first choice and I have had a feeling for a while several years that he will be a Chelsea head coach at some point I've just had that feeling now I understand people for very tribal reasons don't want Mauricio Pochettino or have high doubts about him because of the fact that Spurs it kind of, they kind of became synonymous with Pochettino of, of getting close to finals or getting close to a title and not getting over the line. I mean, that is a very Spurs thing. It's not very much confined to Pochettino. And I think it's been proven since his sacking, which I think was a mistake by Tottenham, that just getting in the winners in Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte has proven to be failures. And just because getting those in doesn't mean they, they get over the line. They have actually got further away from what Pochettino did since his sacking, which I think tells you a lot about the work he did. Pochettino, I think, just on another small point here, that PSG experience, I think, is very valuable for him as a head coach because he's gone to an elite club, a club with superstar ego, some of the biggest in world football. I don't think you can find many other clubs like PSG in terms of that ego and facing superstar kind of um, attitudes than there. And I think for him as a coach, even though it didn't go well, I think that was a, a valuable experience for him to have that. If you can't win the French title, that kind of, you know, is a, is a massive mark against you because you kind of are expected to. It's a little bit like Bayern in the Bundesliga, so dominant there. And obviously was always going to lead to his, his sacking there. But at the same time, you know, I think, you know, having that big club experience, having that Champions League experience, I think is valuable compared to, say, bringing in someone who's had no experience at that kind of expectation level. But I also think when I'm looking at the rest of Pochettino's career and what he achieved at Spurs, I think... If you take your tribal hat off, if you can, for Spurs, he created a very, very impressive team. And I think what he was able to do there, taking them from outside the Champions League to in the Champions League, regular qualification there, getting them to a Champions League final, some of the brand of football, I think at Spurs' best under Pochettino, they were a frightening team at times in terms of their intensity on and off the ball. I think the way he was able to develop young players, I can see a core of young players within Chelsea's current setup that I think he would enjoy working with. The likes, you know, going back to front, you know, going from Benoit Badiashile, Wesley Fofana, Levi Colwell, potentially returning Trevor Chalabar, Reese James, Ben Chirwell, Enzo Fernandez, Akani Chukwemeka. You could look at maybe him developing him as well. Um, Noni Manawake, uh, Mikhail Mudrik, you know, some of those other players we could speak about right now. I could see him utilizing that group of players to form what he did at Southampton in impressive fashion, but mainly at Spurs over a longer period of time. I know that people will, there's that red mark against him and people may not look past Lowell, Spurs didn't win any trophies, but I don't think 
Chelsea's hierarchy should be thinking like that. I think this is a very, very intelligent coach. And I also do think he has the charisma and weight of personality to get people on board. I do think that. I think it would it would almost be like a reverse thing because if he comes to Chelsea and starts doing well, I think Chelsea fans would love him more because there would be obviously the bragging rights against Spurs and look, we got him here and he actually won a trophy. You know, I think that would be a, a great thing for a Chelsea fan to kind of have and lord over Spurs a little bit more. That, again, that's, that's just bragging rights. That shouldn't be the reason we appoint him or not. And with Nagelsmann, I just want to say this. I, I, I like Nagelsmann as a coach, you know, watching him over years. But I, I do think it is fair to point out that when you look at his track record at clubs, he's kind of referred to as someone who will experiment. And do we need another coach like that? Do we need another coach who is going to change his team every couple of games, is going to switch formations, even though that can prove a little bit valuable in the modern game and you do need to be flexible. How much flexibility do you need? And also, I'm not the biggest fan of having another coach who isn't going to play wide players, you know, and is going to try and play inside forwards. And how is that going to hamper and kind of derail some of those wide players that we bought? It's not all about playing wingers, but I would like to see Madawake, Mudrik, Raheem Sterling, if he stays for another season. I'd like to see those players utilised a lot more. So I just feel that Pochettino, I think, has been out of the game a little bit now. I think would give young players an opportunity because he's proven it in his career. And, and I just feel should be a leading contender in this in this race for who Chelsea are going to get. I just think it makes a lot of sense. I think out of the options available, if you aren't going to go for what would be considered a win-now coach, if they're looking to appoint someone in the mould of what they were going for with Graham Potter, but someone with vastly more experience at, at a top level and has now worked at a club like PSG, so has kind of dealt with that chaotic situation. I would like to see Mauricio Pochettino. He is my first choice. He just is. Even with the the positives in Eggelsman, I just think Pochettino, um, based on what Chelsea maybe are looking for in a head coach and, and with those things we've laid out already, is my first choice. But we will see who who turns out to, to be Chelsea's coach um, in the future. And, and maybe it won't be appointed till the summer. We will see if... if it's just going to be interim until the, the back end of the season now and see how that plays out. And, and But as I say, and, and as Nazar Kinsella points out, there are going to be other top clubs going in for these people. So how long do you want to wait? Do you risk waiting and missing out on someone who could actually turn out to be a brilliant uh, person to be head coach of Chelsea? We will see. Before we do wrap up, um, obviously there's been pieces, think pieces already and kind of reflecting on Graham Potter's time. The end of an era was was kind of the way some people have framed it, which I think is an interesting way of looking at it and, and a fair way to look at it, you know, in terms of how sh- short of a period it's been for him at the club. Sacking Thomas Tuchel, which got a lot of criticism at the time, it hasn't worked out. How Chelsea's faith in Graham Potter slowly ebbed away is Matt Law's piece for The Telegraph, uh, explaining that Chelsea's owners wanted to back Potter after the embarrassing home defeat to Southampton in February, which I think for a lot of us, felt like the end point for him a very natural end point but it didn't happen but he goes on to say with each decision that backfired after that Southampton game the internal faith in Potter was chipped away culminating in Saturday's defeat against Aston Villa when just about all of his big calls blew up in his face he goes on to say there was anger in the dressing room over some of the decisions of the head coach and even players who liked him feared that he was out of his depth. Potter came through make or break games against Leeds and Borussia Dortmund progressing to the quarterfinals of the Champions League when a defeat in Ivan may well have resulted in his dismissal. A top four place in Champions League qualification was never the be all and end all for Bowley and Iqbali during what has always been considered a transitional season but seeing Chelsea in the bottom half of the Premier League table was viewed as unacceptable and there could no longer be any argument made for the fact that 
that progress is being made or might be around the corner. The wheels for Potter's exit were not officially set in motion until around 3pm on Sunday afternoon, five hours before his departure was announced in a statement. Yeah, I mean, pretty much a lot of what I was saying uh, yesterday in terms of those big decisions not working out for him and particularly why I felt after the game against Aston Villa this could be the end and it proved to be the end because there were several factors. That performance was so bad and also the decisions that he made that were controversial to begin with didn't work out. Only playing one recognised centre-back in your back three, not playing Reese James at right wing back, you know, shunning players like Trevor Chalabar and Benoit Badiashile who could have offered something and just, you know, once again, a, a very, very poor performance that, you know, demoralised Stamford Bridge that has been a very difficult place to be at this season. So all those factors, you know, come into play and it doesn't surprise me that with the the size of the squad he has to deal with, they were going to be unhappy players. But even those who maybe supported him were looking at the situation and going, how is it going to improve? And there always comes that breaking point, doesn't there? And, and that was the case for Graham Potter. Maybe it should have happened earlier. Maybe it should have happened around the Southampton game. But we are where we are now. So there we go. Those are the thoughts, um, you know, for me and, and kind of who I would like to see take over. But it doesn't seem like it's going to be an imminent appointment. That may change by the end of the week. Something may happen and there may be a, a sense that they, they they go for who they want. And that may be Julian Nagelsmann. That may be someone else. I would like to see a, a more firm approach. And, and it's something that I've, I've written for a piece for Football London today that I suggest you go and read if you, if you want to kind of get some thoughts on my, my feelings, not only on Graham Potter, but it kind of looks at the future. And my feeling is that Chelsea need to get away from looking at the head coach as kind of God in the in the structure of kind of, this is the guy, we're backing this guy to the hill, everything is going to be built around this one head coach, when actually it should be about having a stable, you know, a consistency um, above him, you know, having that football structure and then bringing in a head coach who, you know, very much ticks a lot of boxes so that when that coach inevitably leaves, either at the end of a cycle or things go wrong when you don't expect them to, your whole system doesn't collapse. You know, signing players for one coach and then bringing in someone who's completely different. That's why we've had such a muddled squad over the last five, six, seven years. That needs to change. And it starts with having a clarity of vision behind the scenes of what are we looking for in a head coach? Is it a style of play? Is it developing young players? Is it someone who has a track record, not only working at a big club, but maybe dealing in that kind of sporting director model? They can collaborate. They can accept that they aren't going to be in full control control all the time and they have to accept that if they don't accept that they're not going to be the coach for us that is something that I think Chelsea have to contend with and clarify and the new ownership has to clarify um, other than those things that I do think a strength of character someone who has experience at a top club I think those things are important for the next coach that comes in but I think it's it's crucial that the structure is there that isn't solely reliant on this Messiah figure coming in and changing and fixing everything because a club is, is a big place. And, you know, as well with Chelsea, of, of the recruitment structure that's been put in place, there's a lot of voices there. So I think that has to be clarified. What is Chelsea's identity? I think it's very difficult to know that currently. And that's what's going to make this decision risky for Chelsea. It really is. Let me know your thoughts uh, in the comments below. Thank you for watching and listening and I will see you again very soon. All the best. Sports Social Podcast Network.